0: Welcome to Broadway Bullet, Volume 304, for February 12th, 2009. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo. And first off, I wanted to thank everyone for uh, supporting our first two live endeavors. Uh, I believe most everybody had a good time, though I will say um, I am apologizing to those who were treated poorly by the management of the venue. It wasn't just you. They've also treated us very poorly. But it won't happen again because we have got another venue that is fantastic, great people, and they're willing to do everything it takes to make it work. And we're going to be going weekly starting March 1st. So we've got a great bill lined up. We've got Tasty Skank. Uh, It's a duo made of Kate Reinders and Sarah Litzinger. You may remember them from one of our very first episodes where they premiered uh, the sex song live in our studio. And it's since gone on to get about a million views on YouTube. Uh, They're going to be performing. They're like a great... uh, Sarah. uh, Kate Reinders was Glinda in Wicked, among other things. Sarah Litzinger, Belle in Beauty and the Beast, among other things. Together they do a very fun, raunchy kind of... comedy music set kind of like a female flight of the concords but raunchy it's a lot of fun we're also about to nail down a second awesome guest for the bill and that's going to be broadway bullet presents at 630 Uh, every week we're going to be presenting some great talent Uh, and then afterwards at eight o'clock we'll be doing sunday spotlight which is our open mic for theater singers and composers so hopefully you'll check out we'll have some more information on that for you next week And again, new location, it's going to be the Ha Comedy Club. It's uh, in the Sweet Caroline's Dueling Piano Bar Room. Great, comfortable venue. It's right on 46th Street and 7th Avenue. It's actually in the basement of the uh, Equity Building. So a lot of you should know where that is. And I wanted to thank everybody who uh, did indeed donate and help contribute to Saving Our Studio. Uh, simply the fact that we were able to contribute something. Right now the management is willing to work us for a little bit, and hopefully we can get everything sorted out uh, soon on that. But for the moment we've got a little bit of leeway, so and I'm hoping we can get that all safe. Thanks again for all your donations and your support. We appreciate it. And for those of you who Couldn't donate? I feel your pain. All right, we got a great show lined up. We have got Natalie Toro here in the studio. She actually came up for an interview after she performed by surprise at Sunday Spotlight. She talks with us about her new solo CD and her upcoming gig at the Metropolitan Room, among other things. We've also got the producers of the Frigid New York Festival from the Horse Trade Theater uh, talking about their festival and their Canadian way of running things. Um, We're also going to hear, of course, some performances from sunday spotlight we're going to hear a track from joe iconis uh live and we're also going to hear julie foldesai who performed with her full band at the show so it's got a lot of great stuff for you and let's buckle up and hop on board
3: on the boards.
0: All right. It has indeed been a frigid winter here in New York the past couple weeks. So who wants to go to a festival? Yay. We got a um, <laughs> frigid New York is entering its third year with 29 shows going on over 10 days from February 25th through March 8th. And we have uh, Ari Ziv, the managing director of Frigid New York, and Lindsay Ho Perlman, who is the... Uh, So I just, there's a bunch of things here again. (laughs) We said production manager. Production manager. But there are a lot of a lot of tasks. (laughs) Yeah, I see. It's like slash 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 here. (laughs) So you're the everybody's bitch. That's basically right. I mean,
3: it,
2: it certainly feels that way. Talk to me after the festival. I'll tell you what jobs really rose to the surface.
0: <laughs> all right. So, well, first off, tell us a little bit about Frigid New York in a nutshell. And we're going to talk in depth about all 30 shows methods. <laughs> well, uh,
4: the festival started three years ago. This is our third year uh, of production. It's a member of the Canadian Association of French Festivals, which has a very specific model by which they run festivals. We're, Every... we're American here. I, I understand that. We're
0: American. <laughs>
4: we are, but, but we stole the model from Canada. and. What's what, that model on a the boot? Uh, <laughs> they really do talk like that. Um, it's, it means that we don't curate the festival. We pick the shows literally out of a hat, uh, and half the shows get in first come, first serve. Um, beyond that, it How means... How do they get in the hat? Uh, they, apply, <laughs> they apply to the festival. The first 15 people to apply... Get it? That's the first come, first serve. And we ran through those fifteen slots in less than two minutes this year. So you got to be really on top of it to get. I got to let my my
0: ten-year-old nephew know about that. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a a lot of plays. If he's got a (laughs) credit card number, it's okay. (laughs)
4: Uh, The next fifteen, we pull out of a hat. We actually pull twelve out of a hat here, and three get pulled out of a hat up in London, Ontario. and that the drawing that drawing is done on Halloween every year. Um, beyond that, it means that the artists get 100% of the box office, not an American way of doing things. No, not at all. Not at all, but it's really, really cool, and the artists really appreciate it, and it works really well.
0: So what do you get out of it for putting in about 80,000 hours?
4: Uh, the artists <laughs> pay a just a participation fee, a flat participation fee uh, to use the spaces. And that participation fee is what makes up the bulk of our budget every year. Uh, in addition to that, the audience tips the festival, uh, you know, at the beginning or at the end of every show. And that makes up a little bit of our budget as well. Uh, and the rest, horse trades, gives to the festival every year in, in the form of very discounted uh, rates on the space usage because we own all our own spaces it, it provides us with the luxury of doing
0: that so you're a small theater company me, real estate mogul in the city <laughs> <laughs> moguls Seriously, generally own you're talking estate. to estate <laughs>
4: <laughs> we rent real estate so we're Rogel? not technically moguls <laughs> would that be Rogel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: so um, maybe pick out I mean like so there's 30 shows going on so we obviously mm-hmm. won't be able to get to them all but maybe you could uh, highlight you know a couple of your favorite things that you've spotted
2: well we have um, a San Francisco contingent on the way to New York um, Exit Theaters bringing three shows with them this year um, Jihad for Vent and Dummy which is um, a really interesting sounding uh, ventriloquism show um, which comes highly, very, very highly recommended from the West Coast. They're also bringing um, End of the Trail, uh, a play, um, a, a two-actor play, um, which is going to be happening in the Red Room, which is my favorite space of the three that um,
0: Frigid hosts these shows. How often do you get people refer- referring
2: to The Shining? The Shining, what with the, a red room, Oh, Red Room, but, yeah. Red Rum. Actually, not as often as you would think. It does
4: say Red Rum in the box in the box office. <laughs> that's <laughs> like true. A big Red Rum in the, inside of the box.
2: Office. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a Red Room. You, I've, it's that's the most accurate theater name ever in the city. Um, and then the show also that I'm most excited about is um, Hysteric Killy, a one freak show, which is um, a solo show by a performance artist called Killy uh, Dwyer. Um, and this show was really developed in under St. Mark's, which is the theater where she's performing. Um, it's a very unusual venue on St. Mark's Place uh, where there's a whole host of crazy performance happenings going on on any given day and and Kelly really comes out of that so I'm excited that she's bringing her work to the festival to um, a larger audience.
4: We also have two magic shows this year. Uh, now and at not the one, hour, but two. Not one, but two.
2: This I is the magic, magic year.
0: I
4: love
2: magic. Abracadabra.
4: Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've had one magic show in the past. Uh, this time we have two, and I'm really looking forward to it. I like magic.
0: Uh, <laughs> like one, straight magic or theatrical magic? It, it's
4: mean? magic and well, mind control yeah. kind of magic. Not bunnies out of a hat, but like, you know.
2: Rory Raven with Brainstorming, also in the Red Room. Um, I think he also do does some... Stage, hip, stage hypnotism. Hyper. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and now and at the hour too. That's also that's another one of the um, San Francisco shows I mentioned earlier, uh, coming with Exit Theater. Uh, so we're really excited about that. Yeah. Mm, what else are we? What else are we forgetting? Here? The
4: Hefner monologues may be a lot of fun, uh, and this is a show by uh, Hugh Hefner's distant C- cousin. cousin, I guess, and it's about. You know, uh, he he describes it as how, how do you make a name for yourself when somebody else already has it, uh, which is it should be good. His I went to look college amazing.
0: with a guy. The first day we started drama school, we had, it was the same time as audition signups, and the poor guy had his name scratched out because everybody thought it was a joke. His name is Cole Porter. Oh. He actually's done well. He's 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 uh, been on tour with Avenue Q now recently, oh, but poor, yeah. But everybody thought. Poor Cole Porter. How do you, how do you go through life as that's an entertainer so with the name Cole Porter? I, gr- so. I went to high school with a
2: with a Grace Kelly, but that's a little bit more common, I suppose. Cole yeah. Porter, that's, that's
4: that's a little rough. Yeah,
2: <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, part of the fun of the festival for us is that, you know, we put on all this work, but it really won't be until the festival kicks off that we really know, you know, which shows sort of, I mean, we we have only our communications with the artists up until this point, and many of them we know, the Dysfunctional uh, dysfunctional Theatre Company is a resident company of ours, and, and they're producing a show in the festival this year.
4: Yeah. The Expatriates by the Beggars Group is, is a show we know, and, and that's it's been a good show. It's Run in various different forms for nearly a decade now, uh, and Throughout it's always a lot of fun. And,
2: and do they tour too? Does Beggars Group tour? No, uh, no, not, not, not really. Mostly they do a lot of city. work just in New York, right? Um, but you know, we put in all this work, and then once the festival starts, it's really just mm-hmm. a matter of seeing seeing who delivers, seeing what audiences respond to, and then over the two weeks of the festival, that's really sort of where we direct our audiences. So part of the fun is coming and experimenting and, and spending time in one of our theaters. You know, you could stay for the festival on a Saturday afternoon for three hours and see three completely different shows from all over the country, and we have a number of Canadian shows this year.
0: How um, many Canadians come down to see the productions uh,
4: You'd be surprised.
0: <laughs> you, you really would. There's first So of all, the Canadian
4: model's a draw. There's a lot of Canadians living <laughs> in the city, and they do come out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey.
2: How does a drug deal become a decent third date? That's going to be a great Canadian show. Where are they coming from? I can't uh, recall. I, love that. I think That's they're a qu- from Great Toronto. qualification. Toronto. That's
0: going to be a great Canadian show. No. <laughs> 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 We've actually had some wonderful Canadian shows over yeah.
4: the years. Uh, the first year, the best show of the festival was one from Victoria. Um, which was amazing. It was called Legoland. And people who saw it still talk about it to this day. And one of these days, I'll bring those guys back.
0: Well, one great Canadian show, Drowsy Chaperone. And that's, that's, yeah, and, that's and, and that,
4: as a matter of fact, came out of a CAF festival, uh, Canadian Association of French Festivals. It, it came out of a festival just like
0: this and and went where it went. One well, not so great. I believe it was also a Canadian musical, Evil Dead the Musical. I'm, nah, th- I'm yeah. not
2: familiar with <laughs> so, Evil Dead the so musical good. no yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: say it now is it like
2: Carrie also in that, didn't someone make a musical of Carrie yeah yeah. yeah,
0: one of the most true slops of all time. Yeah, Evil, Evil Dead was a new world scene. In fact, I believe at uh, one point, the reason why I remember the Canadian is I think they both opened around the same, I mean, they were close you know, <laughs> together in terms of when they opened. Yep. But uh, they, they were both playing in the same bar at one point in Canada. Yeah. Huh. I was actually excited about
4: that one. It didn't pan out very well. But what, like, Evil Dead
2: the musical? Yeah, we,
4: we had oh, planned really? to do Evil Dead uh, years and years ah. ago, uh, and it was slated for some time in the fall of 01. Uh, And that was not a very good fall. (laughs) Oh my gosh,
2: true. Never made it to the city, huh? No, no. Huh.
0: So, what are the biggest challenges in in mounting a festival? I mean, I, I, you know, especially with this being just the third year, I I imagine you have a few tales of uh, logistical things that you didn't expect uh, getting this going. Um. i
2: mean mean, well frankly this is my first year so i'm i'm waiting for that waiting for those events to happen so that i'll know for the next time
4: but if well go ahead that's been the case for the last two years you know waiting for the bomb waiting for the shoe (laughs) waiting for whatever but that they haven't come yet and i'm finding some wood to knock on here uh the festival has been running very smoothly uh all, all, all these years it, it is a lot of work um, but we don't have any surprises associated with the space because we, we run it all year round um, the companies that come do the shows especially the ones that are coming from out of town they they know what they're doing they've done these festivals they come in they go out they're like very easy to deal with um, and the locals most local theater companies have done festivals there's so many festivals yeah. here in the city so we really don't run into a tremendous amount of problems. There's always one or two companies that that require a lot of communication, <laughs> um, and there's always things that happen, little things here and there. But for the
0: most part, it's it's. Can a you send me great. a two scale blueprint? Right. Exactly. Can I get that at one point five scale instead of? Yeah.
2: Well, and also, I mean,
0: horse this
2: festival produced by Horse Trade Theater Group, we, we manage the, these three spaces year-round um, in a similar fashion. I mean, we don't all of a sudden decide that we're going to co-produce 30 shows every yeah. two weeks, but it sometimes feels that way. I mean, we we run the three spaces. We have six resident companies that produce throughout the year, um, and they run in repertory, so it's very common for you to... Stop by under St. Mark's Theater on any given day and be able to stay for the seven o'clock show. Stick around for the nine o'clock show, if you're looking for some good East Village entertainment. That's what we that's what we provide year round. And Is so good the East Village
0: entertainment better than good Canadian entertainment.
2: I think they they, they go hand <laughs> in hand. Aren't, I imagine they're they're sort of a, a a beautiful marriage of of interesting artists who <laughs> want to do their thing in small. Theaters.
0: Now I'm kinda curious of about the you know, the companies that come in from out of town. Just um, I've always kinda of wondered what's what's usually their main goal out of the thing. I mean I can't imagine it's to make a lot of money. Anyway, because their expenses of getting here have got to be pretty much more than they can get back. You'd be surprised.
4: Uh, some of them do actually come expecting to make money, especially in the first... <laughs> 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 like, hey, hey, it's New York! <laughs> New York. Silly they're artist. horribly S- disappointed Silly when they get artist, here. And I, I mean, try to make it clear to <laughs> them.
0: This is I, mean, I mean, are they looking for the prestige of they mounted a show in New York and trying to get some of the press? At this done? point,
4: they're mo- mostly looking to to perform in new york um but these festivals in canada people actually do do them to make money uh there's people who tour they do the the summer french circuit up there and they make you know twenty, thirty, forty thousand 30 40 thousand dollars in canada that's <laughs> plenty to live on for the rest of the year while they write their next show and then they go back on the tour uh, new york no they're not going to make any money here and at this point they've they've figured that out <laughs> Um, but they they can break even,
2: and I mean, and I think for younger companies uh, in our festival, it's not necessarily about the financial gain so much as it is you know where you earn your rep- reputation and you earn your stripes. Uh, a company that we have this year, like Number Eleven Productions, um, who's producing uh, Jet of Blood by Antony Narto, you know they're they're an exciting young company that wants to do work, so um, for them to enter a festival like Frigid is a, quite, a great way for they for them to get a little bit, you, you know, we have a press rep who does all of the um, promotion for the festival, helping them to get reviewers and to start building a name for themselves in, in the hopes of, you know, moving onwards and upwards in the city.
0: Yeah, yeah, I want to know more about how I can go up to Canada and earn $40,000 a year <laughs> doing an interview <invitation. laughs> It's done. <laughs> Canada's is looking more attractive, but <laughs> Canada's a <laughs> for a
4: while. There. That's in the summertime. Yeah. Then you got to deal with the winter. The rest of right. Most of
2: the Canadian festivals happen in the summer, right? Well, no, they're all
4: in the summer. They're all in the summer. Yeah, Canada goes to sleep in the winter. hmm There's like yeah.
2: Which is why there was a window for Frigid. Although and is
4: actually performing in Winnipeg right now.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah,
4: it's a show that I I met on the tour this summer up in Canada. We brought them here. and Puncta yeah. we brought them here for a show uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. they f- did phenomenally <laughs> what, what, what's,
0: your, what's your nationality by the way I can't quite place uh, the accent I'm Israeli okay yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a subtle accent that I wasn't able to quite place. it's mm-hmm. not caught very often <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it seems to mix with a little bit of Canadian every once in a while I lived in
4: Minnesota for nearly ah. a decade so it's that's, yeah.
0: that's why I was so confused Minnesota
4: and Canada are pretty much the same place Yeah,
0: and combined with your Israeli that's definitely got an Interesting. (laughs) How many of these festivals are there in Canada when you say that they can actually just kind of go around from. Uh, I
4: don't know the exact number, but it's over a dozen. wow. Yeah.
0: I did not. All this time, Broadway Boulevard, I did not realize there's a dozen theater festivals going on. Yep,
4: and and there's member festivals in in Orlando, in Boulder, in San Francisco, um, in Kansas, I think.
2: CAF calf member festivals that adhere festivals. to this to this th- th- model yeah the same guidelines
0: yeah so, <laughs> so frigid starts on the february 25th yes. correct yeah. yes. and goes through march 8th t- 12 days as your flyer says 150 performances 30 independent theater companies 12 days three theaters one festival chill exactly
2: that's, right. <laughs> that's the theme of this year's festival or the motif rather and, and this chill. year it's aptly named. Yes.
0: Yeah, man. Maybe it'll warm up by then, but we've had it. <laughs> well, a...
2: it's cold, and it's also, you know, we're just there to have a good time and and entertain and be entertained. So I think it's it's fitting.
0: Now, for any of our listeners who are outside of New York and who want to, like, you know, get in this, you know, wonderful Canadian method of getting yeah, in a which festival. you should. It's
2: really fun. Um,
0: what should they be looking out for uh, next year for submissions, or when do you start doing submissions? We start
4: submissions midnight on Labor Day, and you should be very quick to submit if you want to
0: be one of the Is first it literally like, like speed dial on the phone? It, it, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> You're the ninth caller. You're the 11th it, caller. <laughs> we do it on the Internet.
4: It's it's done through through the web, so we just go by the timestamp. Whatever.
2: When you click,
4: timestamp
0: exists. That's when you're. Oh, you know, there's some poor guy who tried to submit whose like IP went out, his server went out. Yeah. Like, he right still He's like,
3: damn you! He At... still has
0: a chance with the hat. <laughs> yeah. Once
2: after the first fifteen, then you go into the hat, and then it's just between you and fate to decide yeah. whether or not you'll make it into the frigid. But you know, of course, send your submissions in and and keep us posted about what you want to do in, in our spaces. We're always. We're always looking to host cool acts.
0: All right. Well, uh, Lindsay Hope Perlman mm-hmm. uh, and Erez Ziv. Yep. Uh, thank thank you, you so much for coming by and talking about Frigid. Also, the website you should get that out there.
2: FrigidNewYork.info.
0: All right. Check it out. Okay. Well, have fun. Hopefully, keep your sanity. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> we, we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> The Kleban Award is uh, about the most prestigious award there is for a lyricist, and Joe Iconis was a recipient. He was on our show for an interview uh, at the end of last season, and he came to do a set at Sunday Spotlight. And this is one of the songs he performed with uh, Jason Sweet Tooth Williams coming in at the end. This is called Headshot from Joe Iconis.
5: I graduated from Northwestern two whole years ago I was a star, there was the best one in the main stage show. Then I moved to New York with all of my pep and all of my rep in tow. And it's really eh. And I emailed Dad. And I lie about auditions that I haven't had. It would make me sad. But I've recently isolated the thing that's been bringing me down know what I need to work on in order to conquer this town. There's nothing like a plan, the motivation that it brings. It takes away the daily stings to know things will be better with a better headshot. Things will be better with a better headshot. Things will be better with a better headshot. When I got a picture that looks like me, then they'll see with a better headshot,
6: yeah, yeah. Walk in a room and no one notices I've entered it. I clear my throat, I make a scene. I do a double split, and I try not to come off as desperate as I desperately offer to sing it legit. And it's really eh. and the time moves slow, but at least I know that things will be better with a better headshot. Things will be better with a better headshot. Things will be better with a better headshot. When I got a picture that looks like me, then they'll see, yeah, things will be better with a better headshot. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Because the girl in that picture
6: is scared, not me. Because the girl in that picture is blonde, not me because the girl in
5: that picture ain't broken yet.
6: My god. Who's Who's she? Not me. Not me. So I save enough. I buy a dress go to a studio. I'm brave, I'm tough, I'm not a mess. A breath, I walk in slow. And the woman who's taking the pictures an out of work actress. So I up and go. And I know it's rude, but hey. (laughs) Whatever, I'm
5: just not in the mood today I'll reschedule, it's all okay
6: Things will be okay Things will be okay
5: Headshot
6: Headshot <laughs> <cabeçaißane ceoaone Familien crespo> Headshot Headshot When I got a picture unmistakably me And you'll see, see Things be better with a better headshot Things be better with a better headshot Yeah, yeah, yeah Things be better with a better headshot Yeah, yeah, yeah Things be better with a better headshot yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, man. The Call Board. All right. First off, we've got a couple great interns uh, from my previous announcement. And I want to say we're still looking for uh, maybe one or two. Two more interns, if you're interested in getting involved, just drop me an email at mgilbo. that's M-G-I-L-B-O-E, at broadwaybullet.com. We're also looking for some people who might be willing to just help out with us on Sundays for the live performances. So also, if you're just interested in that, uh, you can give me a buzz. Uh, you can call me at 646-345-3433 or email me at mgilbo at broadwaybullet.com. Uh, so come down and let me know and have a lot of fun. All right, first up in the call board, Omid Djalili, TV star and stand-up comic, will succeed Rowan Atkinson as Fagan in the London production of Oliver, now playing at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane. Djalali will take over beginning July 20th after Atkinson's departure on July 18th with Jodie Pranger, who won the role of Nancy by public vote in the reality TV series I'd Do Anything, continuing in the show. Dejali and Pranger are currently scheduled to appear together to December 12th. The show has also announced that it has extended its current booking period through February 27th, 2010, for which tickets will go on sale beginning February 23rd, 2009. And all right, I'm going to give you plenty of notice on this one. The 23rd Annual Easter Bonnet Competition Benefiting Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS will be presented at the Minskoff Theater, currently the home of Disney's The Lion King. The two-day spectacular will be held April 27th at 4.30 p.m. and April 28th at 2 p.m. The competition will feature the companies of various Broadway, Off-Broadway, and touring productions, and the shows will offer skits, songs, and or dances, as well as bonnets created specifically for the event. To find out more information about this or anything else you're hearing about in the podcast, you can go to our show notes at broadwaybullet.com and uh, just search for the volume 304 show notes. Okay, uh, next, the Midtown International Theatre Festival has extended its deadline for submissions for its 2009 Summer Festival of Theatre in Manhattan. The original submission postmark deadline of February 6th has been extended through February 20th to allow producers additional time to apply for inclusion in the 10th annual festival. Eligible works include plays, musicals, solo shows, new works, and revivals. The only stipulation is that each project must have a producer and a production team attached. Again, for more information, check out our show notes. All right, let's get back to the episode with our feature story. Up. The lovely and talented Natalie Toro just recently starred in the too short to close Tale of Two Cities. She's done Eponine in Les Mis, among many, many other things. And uh, she just released her own uh, CD, self-titled Natalie Toro, that she does a unique twist on songs in the theater canon. And Natalie Toro, after just performing at our Sunday Spotlight Showcase, has come right upstairs with me to... Talk about her album. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, Michael. How are you? Good.
0: It's late night, isn't yes, it?
1: Yes, <laughs> it is. Sunday late night. Ooh, where's my beer?
0: <laughs> well, um, first off, before we get into some other things about your career, uh, tell us a little bit about your CD.
1: Well, actually, um, it's come about because I have a... Uh, about ten years ago, I did a Broadway salsa CD, uh, all in Spanish.
0: There's too many Broadway salsa CDs out. Actually, it's a glut. I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's so many, I thought the competition was going to be sick, but um, so a lot of my fans were um, writing to me and saying, hey, so we love your sauces, salsasy, but we can't understand it, so can you do a Broadway album in English, maybe? <laughs> so I, I put you know my thinking cap together, and I was able to get uh, executive producers to help me out. Uh, a lot of people do albums very differently nowadays. It's a very different recording industry. And uh, you know, with MP3s and downloads and kind of are no record companies anymore. So um, I was able to, I was very blessed to actually get uh, a couple of producers involved. And you know, they gave me uh, a nice lump of money to just go ahead and do what you, you do. And I have been- Can you, can you
0: introduce me? <laughs> we all um, need those people Yeah, no, they're,
1: they're definitely my angels in this lifetime And, you know, because as artists, you know, we don't make enough money to do, you know, what we re- really, really want to do um, and, and a CD is always The Tide
0: commercial? Wasn't yeah, your heart's desire? Tide
1: commercial, you're uh, kidding
0: <laughs> Surely there's is there there's got to be something like that in there, in your resume that
1: um, well I've been on Law and Order a few times but you know it's kind of like I've g- gone up the latin corporate ladder. You know I was like the immigrant, the housekeeper. <laughs> then I went to the bank manager, you know. Uh so yeah, so you know it's one of those things when you have a you have an idea. I've had this idea in my head for such a long time. Um I've listened to a lot of uh Broadway CDs and they're all really wonderful and Just to get an idea of what I want to do different. And what I found was that most Broadway CDs have one arranger. And of course, because, you know, not everybody has a lot of money to be able to pay, you know, 10 different arrangers. And uh, like I said, I had these amazing angels with me. So I was able to get seven different arrangers to. To actually come up with these ideas that I had them swirling in my head. For quite a few months, and um, choosing the songs was very specific, and choosing the arrangements and choosing the arranger for that song was very specific too. Because you want to get the right guy, or you know, you're stuck in the studio and you're like, oh man, what did I do? I don't get. I think he didn't get it. You know, and you know, you kind of come up with that once in a while. You just keep explaining, and you know. But ultimately, um, everyone was on board. I mean, I have arrangers like David Loud... Have, do you know who he is?
0: You know, I, I'm bad on a lot of okay. names I should be good on. David Loud <laughs> Names is. are always my worst thing.
1: <laughs> David Loud is awesome. When I called him, I couldn't believe he said yes. It's one of those things like, Oh my God, I have David on my album. You know, I have um, guys like Matt Perry and Andy Einhorn. I mean, these, these guys are amazing, amazing musicians. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just felt like, Hey, do you want to just come on board and do this thing with me? Um, so, we, they each got their song or songs, Matt Perry actually did three songs, and then I had an idea for a duet. I wanted to do a duet. Now, most people do a duet with a guy, a girl, a guy, a girl, a girl and a guy duet. And I thought, you know what? I want to do a girl and a girl duet. I love girl-girl you know, duets. Because, you know, the
0: right song. Yeah. yeah,
1: and but there are not many songs that, you know, I liked that were out there that I thought, oh, they're great Broadway tunes. And so I was thinking and actually thought, let's rearrange the Barbra Streisand, Judy Garland duet that was done in the, in the 60s. Um, the uh, Get Happy, Happy Days duet. And... It actually was never really recorded as a duet. They just did it live on a television show for, like, three seconds, and it really wasn't really a full song. So, you know, you just had, like, a minute of this clip of them singing this amazing— these two songs um, coagulated together, you know. Is that a word? Coagulate? Yeah, yeah guess, that Okay. Is. That is a word. Okay. Um, <laughs> and— um, so I went to Matt, you know, and I told him of my idea. I said, why don't we use, like, the real meat of these two songs? Since we know that they really go together, let's put them together, you know. And But I didn't want him to start working on it until I got the right girl to sing with me.
0: Now, this person who's singing this with you, have I heard
1: of her? I don't know. Have you? <laughs> her name is Sutton Foster.
0: She's done a couple things. I think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's a great girl, too. I mean, you know, when uh, we have the same agent, so I was really blessed to be able to get to her through them. I was like, um, hey. Can you kind of send her an email and tell her I want to do a duet with her? It just so happens that she was actually a big fan of mine. So what's great is I'm a huge fan of hers. She's a huge fan of mine, so it worked out great. And she was amazing because she actually was doing double duty at the time that I was recording this. She was um, doing Young Frankenstein at night and rehearsing for Shrek all day. So the poor girl has had no time to even (laughs) eat. And I was like, um... Can you come? Like, you know, we had to really work around her schedule and then with the musicians and everyone in the studio. And it worked out. And um, actually, there's a clip on uh, Broadway.com with us recording it. And she's so gracious. And she did it in, like, two takes and went home. I was like, wow. (laughs) I had to go in and redo it because I was so nervous she was in the studio (laughs) with me. It was great. So, you know, so it's kind of, like, eclectic. We have all these great songs. Um, I did Another Hundred People, which is... uh, uh, from company and um, very street, very laid back, in New York. You know, I just thought that song. Just I'm from the Bronx, so that's all I hear when I hear. You know, I, I was raised in the city, and so it was just all. That's all you hear: the horns and the cop cars and the trains. You know, especially the the number one train above ground up in the Bronx. You know, so that's what you're you're raised with. So I wanted that song to have that kind of hip to it. And uh, update it, you know, because but it still has that cool 70s flair, which, um, which was exciting. And the guy who arranged that, his name is Chino Nunez, and he actually was one of my arrangers for my Salsa album. So I was able to use a lot of my really cool friends and some new ones.
0: Well, I know we originally talked about playing another song, Something's Coming, but with everything you just said about Another Hundred People, I'm thinking maybe we should play that song
1: from your CD. If you'd like, I think people (laughs) would enjoy it. It's very street, and especially uh, for those people that want to come to New York and want to hear and see what the big city is like. You'll get a real good sense of it from the song.
0: All right, well, here's uh, Another Hundred People from your brand new CD. Excellent
1: people just got off of the train and came up to the ground, while another hundred people just got off of the bus and are looking around, And another hundred people who get off of the plane and are looking at us, who get off of the train and the plane and the bus, maybe, yeah. you uh-huh.
0: Cities. Let's move off your CD for just a little bit into okay. your theater career. All right. a Tale of Two Cities, Epanine. What are uh, some of the what are some of the big highlights for you?
1: Um I was the 20th anniversary Ava in Evita. And they were doing a tour that was supposed to come to New York, obviously for the twentieth anniversary. And, you know, the big the big the big guys up on top. Something happened, and, of course, we never really knew what happened between Andrew Lloyd Webber and Hal Prince. Who knows? Who knows who was really involved in these decisions, but they actually pulled it at the— uh, We were on tour, ready to come in, and they pulled it. And so uh, that was very disappointing, except— That, that
0: happens a lot it, in theater. You know, they don't—I a lot. I don't think a lot of listeners realize how many times even you know, stars get involved with the project, and then, you know, something happens, and it—
1: Right. Oh, and, and for an example, for Tale of Two Cities, which, you know, you blinked and it closed. Um, you know, I was involved with it for a good six years. So, you know, you get involved right from the beginning, from the very first table read, when you're just sitting around a table and reading it for the first time. And so the composers and the authors and the producers and everybody involved are actually hearing it with live actors for the first time. It's very exciting for them and it's very exciting for the people that are gonna be creating the roles. And so I was very excited because I was playing Madame Defarge and you know she is like the most evil woman in literature and um, it was exciting to, to try to decide how I was gonna play her on stage. So, but I, so I got to play her, which is great. I got to play Ava Perone, and she's pretty evil in her own way. And, um, but she was nice to the people. But behind closed doors, you know, she was pretty evil. And um, I also was Grizabella in Cats. And okay. at that time, I was the youngest Grizabella ever hired, and which was interesting. So I'm playing this old, <laughs> scraggly cat that's been around the block. And, you know, I was so young. Um. So I was like, "Memory." And my voice is really young, <laughs> you know. But you know, th- that's what people wait for. They're waiting you for know, that song. You yeah. Know? You
0: know. Uh, and speaking of that, that's kind of interesting. There's very few songs in the theater canon recently that have achieved like the uber dominance of like "Memory" or "The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow" by Annie. When you're doing that kind of song that is is indeed so well known, did you feel any pressure about how you were going to interpret it, or? When you're oh, is it, is it different? Than, I mean, is it different than doing another role because of that?
1: Well, I think that uh, you can actually feel the tension of the audience when you come out, you know, and and you know you're walking, you hear dun dun, dun. that's the Grizabella entrance music, dun, dun, dun. it was like doom, you know, and and as soon as you hear that dun dun, dun dun you know, you could feel the audience breathing with you. It was really exciting. To do it every night, you know, just because they're waiting for that. And Grizabella's show is really, what, 18 minutes? The whole show. It took me longer to put on my makeup. <laughs> you know? So
0: How long was the makeup job The makeup, cats?
1: well, when I first started my opening night, it took me an hour and a half. Then after, I don't know, six months, I got it down to 35 minutes. But <laughs> it takes a long time. You know, it's real art on your face, and you got to look like a cat. You know, you can't look like a messed up cat, you know? <laughs> but, um, no, it was very exciting because you could actually feel the audience breathe with you.
0: All right. Well, um, we should get back to your CD here, right. too, a little bit. Now, I know that we the other one we picked was uh, to play from is Where, it is Where Is It Written? Where
1: Is It Written? And,
0: and I believe the reason we chose this is because you said there's kind of an interesting story behind the recording of this.
1: Well, it, it's not so much the recording of it, but the fact that, I redid a Barbara Streisand song. <gasps> I know. Do oh, everybody get off I'm all from the floor. the <laughs> cliff. Everybody's passed <laughs> out by now. <laughs> Mortified. Um, I didn't do it to like, oh, I can do it better or whatever. It's just I love that song so much and I would sing it with Barbara when I'm in the shower or wherever I'm in the house, you know. And all of a sudden it came to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna record the song. And not because I wanna do it better or, or, or anything like that. I just, I heard it differently in my head. And so how we did it was, uh, Andy Einhorn, who's amazing, he arranged it for me. And when we had our meeting about it, I said, I want like, I want this girl, I want people to see this girl like sing this in this huge church or somewhere just, she's praying you know and i wanted the whole beginning because when if you if you know the song she's praying in the beginning of the song she's barbara's actually speaking a prayer underneath this beautiful music and then she goes into the meat of the song so the prayer part we made it into um, kind of like a gregorian chant with men with these beautiful harmonies and it, 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 it was like, when I heard it the first time in the studio, I thought I've died and went to heaven. I'm like, you know what? That's it, I'm done. Because can we just keep that? Because I don't even want to sing the song now. Because that part of the song was so beautiful to me. And, and what it does for the song It's not so much a religious sense of it. It just gave it an uplifting spiritual sense for it, you know, because of the words. It's like, tell me why. Tell me where is it written? Why can't I be who I am? She's praying. She's praying to whoever her God is, you know. And I I think nowadays, especially for women, you know, it's nice to hear words like, Hey, I can do this. You know, there's nothing that can stop me. But where is it? Tell me where is it written that I can't do this, you know? So the idea of this Gregorian chant is almost like angels around her as she's praying. And it is just phenomenal. And I, that's actually my, one of my favorite cuts on the album. And so they actually sing throughout. This Gregorian chant kind of, they theme throughout the whole song as I'm doing the whole... Natalie's waving her
0: arms back and forth (laughs) like a snake. I'm
1: sorry. (laughs) I'm Puerto Rican. I talk with my (laughs)
0: hands. I know. So I'm doing the closed caption for the visually (laughs) impaired because it's an audio podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a listen to that song. All right. Come back.
1: And questions running through my mind That I don't try to find the reason And the logic in the world that God designed The reason why a bird was given wings If not to fly and praise the sky With every song it sings Right or wrong, where I belong within
3: the scheme.
1: See in arms that reach Unless you're meant to know There's something more If not to hunger For the meaning of it all Then tell me what a soul is for Why have the wings Unless you're meant to fly And tell me please Why have a mind If not to question why Tell me If I were only meant to tend the nest, then why does my imagination sail across the mountains and the seas beyond the make-believe of any fairy tale? Why have a thirst if not to drink the wine? And what a waste to have a taste of things that count. with me.
0: One thing about you I noticed right away is you you seem so very open and friendly, and I noticed when you were downstairs uh, right after your performance that you were talking with a couple of, I know, aspiring young talents, uh, I'm guessing maybe offering them advice or something. (laughs)
1: Yes, this one girl, um, I hope I get her name right because we had a joke about it, I think it's Allison. Allison. Yes, Yes. because it's spelled with one L. (laughs) I remember. Um, And, you know, she came up to me, and she actually told me, and this has happened to me a few times in my life, where I meet women, and they come up to me, and they say, you're the reason I'm in this business. Because they either saw me in something or they saw me in Les Mis years ago, and they were like teeny, teeny girls. And not that I'm old, yeah. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> the, you know, they, especially the role of Eponine is so, you know, inspiring, and all the girls want to be Eponine, you know. And so I've had that so many times. And at first, when, you know, when that first happened to me, I, I kind of looked at them like, oh, what a, first of all, I didn't know how to accept that compliment. You know, because it was such a huge compliment for someone to say, "You're, I, you are the reason I am doing this," because you inspired me. I saw you, and I wanted to be you, and I wanted to do what you do. And it's happened to me so many times now that it, it it's like, wow, I really do affect people when I perform, and and that's why I like to do it. And it's nice to get that feedback. It's nice to hear and to feel that I actually did affect, even if it's one person out of those thousands of people in a whole run of a show, you know, that's why we do what we do. And now I'm in a state, you know, in my career where I'm, you know, I'm established, I'm doing well, I do, you know, I I work, I'm a working actress. And when I have a young girl come up to me like she did tonight, and she was so inspiring to me because then I get to hear myself um, inspire her, and and do what other people have done to me when I when I was a little girl. Do you know who Judy Blazer is?
0: No. Well, she's
1: a huge Broadway person, and I, and I was, I was like her shadow when I was little, and it's the same thing. It's like she would tell me things, and she inspired me. And I wanted to be her, and now I'm in this position of these young girls coming up to me and just. You know, saying what do I do? How do I, you know, I, I don't feel this, or I feel so insecure, and I don't feel like I'm good enough. And you know, basically, what I was telling her. Yeah, was, now
0: for everybody who's listening, like, we got a lot. We have a lot of people. Yeah, in, that are inspiring.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I I here. was I was definitely giving her the advice that I've learned, especially about um, feeling insecure. You know, she was like, "Do you ever? Did you ever feel?" insecure. I'm like, oh hell yeah, but I never let anybody know. You know, you just can't do that, of course. We are bombarded with rejection. Constantly. And I told her, I said, you got to build your skin. Because if you don't have a skin, you're not gonna be okay during that crazy weather outside. If you don't have your coat on, you're gonna get cold, you know, and And it's sort of like when you walk into an audition, the other advice I told her, you know, walk into an audition, you have to feel, and this is what I learned, and I wish somebody told me when I was younger, but when you walk into an audition, the casting people and the directors, they're not there to judge you. They want you to be good so they can pick you so it makes their job easy for the day.
0: You know, I do think a lot of talent means to get on the other side of the glass at times. I think there's so much to learn by producing, directing, doing other Absolutely. things where you're... Because you get an idea of the mindset.
1: Yes. and you. you also, I've done that too. I, I've helped out a few casting directors just kind of monitoring, you know, like, hey, Nat, I'm not going to be there. Can you go in and just call the people in? And I was kind of nervous because a lot of my friends were coming in and I'm... Now, behind the table, I wasn't doing anything, but monitor, monitoring, I can't even say that word, Monit. it's late. I can't <laughs> no. even say that word.
0: Uh, You're a trooper for coming up for an interview <laughs> this crazy night. And, uh, <laughs> you
1: know, and, you know you, and I actually learned a lot from myself, like, what not to wear to an audition, you know, what not to say, what not to, um, just the kind of energy you walk in. Like, you got to walk in, you have to be the sun. You have to walk in and be strong and like, hey, but this is me. A
0: lot of the a lot of people's attitude can't be made up before they open their mouth and say a word. We we do make first impressions. You it, know, you know I'm what?
1: Th- as soon as you walk in that door, they know. You know, they know if they're gonna like you just based on your personality, you know. And you have to be warm and friendly. doesn't mean you have to go and shake their hands, because a lot of people don't like that. You know. Yeah. But you know, you walk in and you present who you are. And I was telling this young girl today, it's like Get to know who you are and find that person. And you may not find her until you're 40 years old, but it's going to be a journey. And the other thing I told her is, like, you have to swamp yourself and surround yourself with so many things, the theater, people, contacts. Listen to them talk to each other. You know, she's like, she just kept idolizing me. She just (laughs) kept saying, oh, my God, but you're so wonderful. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just me trying to make a buck and trying to make pay my rent. You know, I'm just me. I said, stop idolizing me. This isn't Hollywood. (laughs) This is theater. You know, I was saying, you know, theater is full of real people. And, you know, the art, it's about the art. And it's like you just have to stay on track. And the more you say I'm not good enough, the more you say I'm not going to make it. How am I going to do this? I want to quit. It's like you keep doing that to yourself. You're just going to continue believing it. And then what happens is other people are going to start feeling what you're believing, and you're not going to get anywhere. So I kind of just looked at her. I brought her outside the club because I was like, look. (laughs) It's like, because she was like, well, you know, we kind of look alike, and we have this, you know, European thing going. I'm like, has nothing to do with what you look like, especially nowadays. You know, back then when I was in Les Mis, it was hard. It was hard for a Spanish, little Spanish girl trying to, you know, (laughs) make it, you know. But that's why I kept on the role for three years. I was like, I was too scared to leave.
0: (laughs) I imagine the I can imagine the producers' conversation behind walls on that one. Well, you just really this is in France, France, and she's Spanish. Well, well, you know they don't know I'm Spanish, you know,
3: (laughs) and they're not supposed to ask. They're
0: not supposed
3: to
1: ask. That's against the rules, (laughs) you know. And if I do get asked, uh, because it is illegal to ask your age, and your, you know, your ethnic background, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you walk into for a spa, for a, a Latin show. Sometimes the Latin director wants to know what kind of Latin you are, you know, and it's like, what's the difference? It's all rice and beans, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, you know, we all say "si" and "no" and you know "como estás," you know. So it's like I, I, kind of don't, I, I don't let on that who I am because then it just puts a, you know, a, a damper uh, on on the possibilities of you know what you can be doing you know it's like doesn't matter what do you want me to be you know how old do you want me to be you know and so it's you kind of learn that you know and it's been it's been quite a journey quite a journey just learning what I learn and I have to inspire the young ones because it is harder now than when I was young just because now there's hardly any Broadway you know (laughs) and you know hopefully it'll pick up and you know (laughs) Was that like a timer?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that was like...
1: You're done, you're out! (laughs)
0: Probably somebody going, how did the show go? Yes, it was. (laughs)
1: uh, Anyway, so that's... that's, um, I inspired to do that. I try to go to schools, too, and uh, talk to inner-city kids that have no idea what Broadway is. And it was interesting because Tale of Two Cities was starting to bring in all of these schools because the literature is a must-read in a lot of their curriculum. And... um, So we would have all these talkbacks after, and you would see these inner-city kids in the Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens, and they're sitting right in the house seats section, you know, right center, Mm -hmm. dead center, and they are just mesmerized by the whole thing. They were just, like, you know, woo-wooing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and they were like, oh, my God, like, you were awesome. Like, it's amazing because all these kids are are, are used to just going to the movies, and talking during the movie and having popcorn. <laughs> you know, the theater is such an um, amazing experience to give these kids. So, I like going to schools and and trying to teach them and and show them that there's a whole other world, which is nice.
0: All right. Well, Natalie Toro. The <laughs> yep. show. Come on, tell me. How was the show, <laughs> man? Tell me. Okay. Natalie Toro. <laughs> your debut your night debut is your uh, this is your second CD, as My you second said, CD. out now. I keep wanting to call it a title, but it's self-titled, and you can find out more. How do
1: you how do you title a Broadway CD? You yeah. know, I could have called it Unusual Way. I, I was going to call it Unusual <laughs> Way because I did Unusual Way on there, but you know, it's like you just you know, it's Broadway, it's Broadway. Yeah. You know, it's it's and it's also you know, film and there's a couple of. Um, there's a pop tune in there that is not a Broadway tune, and I actually do "Out of Sight, Out of Mind," which is a song I sang in *A Tale of Two Cities*, which we did not get to do a a recording of it yeah. just because we closed so fast. So, um, so it's nice that it's on my album now, you know.
0: Yep, and they can find out more at natalietoro.com. Yes. Right. Is this on iTunes, did I tell you?
1: It is on iTunes. iTunes. It's very fancy. When yeah. you could like look for it everywhere <laughs> online now. <laughs> you know, it's really cool. And
0: also really quick, you have a gig coming up at the Metropolitan Room.
1: Yes, I'm very excited about that. The Metropolitan Room is an amazing cabaret space here in the city. Uh, it's on twenty second street between fifth and sixth. And um, that's all they do they you know they have artists come in they do their gig and then they leave and the people leave and then the next artist come you know uh, it, it's very interesting to me because i've seen cabaret my whole life i've seen friends do things and i've never done uh, a cabaret thing <laughs> um, i've always i'm so used to singing my concerts in big spaces uh, not just with shows but when i do my own personal concerts i do it at a big performing arts center so it's kind of like Oh, this is a very small, intimate setting, you know, um, and so it's a little—it's a little uh, frightening just because it's different, but it's exciting at the same time because I get to show off a few things that people probably would never see me do on stage. Um, and so I've, I've written a very funny show, and I have an amazing pianist, Matt Perry, who actually um, is has done some arrangements on my album. And uh, my second night, uh, I have a, a, a woman pianist. Um, I haven't met her yet, so we, we have rehearsal tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I know I'm gonna love her. And um, it's uh, Saturday, February 21st at 9.45, and Friday, February 27th at 9.45. And it's a cover, two drink minimum. You know, you come, you bring your friends, you get to drink a couple of drinks, and um, get to see me make a complete fool of myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking. I'm I'm sure that we all need to get home and get some sleep.
1: yes. My dog needs to eat, Michael.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Fido, Fido, no food for you. All right, Natalie Toro, pick up the CD, show it to Metropolitan Room, and thanks so much for popping in and, and surprise performing for Broadway Gold Sunday Spotlight.
3: Thank you
1: so much.
0: Julie Foldesai, who's currently appearing in South Pacific, came by to do a set at Sunday Spotlight. In fact, she brought her entire band with her, which includes Michael Kreuter on mandolin, guitar, hand drum, and backup vocals, David Finch on fiddle, and Jordan Jenks on bass. Among other songs, she performed the opening track from her CD, This Part of Town, called Gotta Believe, with the uh, full band. We're going to play that for you here. If you'd like more information on Julie, you can go to www.juliefoldesai.com, that's F-O-L-D-E-S-I, And her CD's available on iTunes and CD Baby. Here's Gotta Believe. Again, if you'd like to find out more about Julie Foldesai, visit www.juliefoldesai.com, and you can pick up her CD this part of town at CD Baby or iTunes. And be sure to catch our next Broadway Bullet Presents and Broadway Bullet Spotlight on March 1st, that's Sunday, and we'll be going weekly from there. Uh, Like I said, we've got Tasty Skank featuring Kate Reinders and Sarah Litzinger, and uh, we're about to lock up another guest for the great double bill, and then we're going to have that open mic afterwards, starting about 8 p.m. for uh, theater singers and composers looking for a real new, fresh, fun vibe. So uh, stop down, mark your calendars, and let's uh, get on to the news here. Top of the trades. PS Classics will release the premier recording of songs from the new musical Sleeping Beauty Wakes from the pop trio Groove Lily on April 21st. We've interviewed the Groove Lily twice here on the program, so I'm excited to hear this. The show reunites the creators of the acclaimed off-Broadway musical Striking 12, Tony award-winning librettist Rachel Shanking and Groove Lily's Brendan Milburn and Valerie Vagoda. Sleeping Beauty Wakes received its world premiere in Los Angeles on March 31, 2007, in a co production between Deaf West Theater and Center Theater Group. To find out more, of course, visit the show notes for Volume 304. And more news on somebody else that I've had the pleasure of interviewing on this program. Three-time Tony Award-winning producer Dory Berenstein has been named the 2009 recipient of the Robert Whitehead Award. Berenstein will be presented with the Commercial Theatre Institute's Robert Whitehead Award at a reception March 10th at Sardi's. The award, which was established in 1993, is given for Outstanding Achievement in Commercial Theatre Producing. In a statement, CTI program director Jed Bernstein said, quote, Dory Berenstein's passion in life is theater. Mr. Whitehead was a mentor to Dory when she first started producing, so I'm sure he would be proud to have such a talented producer following in his footsteps. End note. Note Jed Bernstein and Dory Bernstein are not related. <laughs> And another person that we've interviewed when she was in Legally Blonde, Orfe, the singing actress who is Tony-nominated for her performance in Legally Blonde, the musical, will host the February 23rd Monday Night's New Voices concert at the Duplex Cabaret Theatre. The evening, which begins at 7 p.m., will celebrate the work of composer Deborah Abramson. Vocalists will include Ashley Mortensen, Andy Plank, Tess Primek, Tony Ramos, and Jessica Vosk. Composer Abramson will also be on hand to accompany the performers and tell stories associated with each of the presented songs. Curtain Call. All right. One last time, I'd like to thank everybody who donated uh, for helping to save the studio space. It has gotten us a few weeks' leeway, and hopefully we can get things sorted out by then. So, again, it is much appreciated. Also, be sure to uh, check out our show on March 1st. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Come check out the Broadway Bullets Presents with Tasty Skank and uh, somebody else yet to be announced. And come to the Sunday Spotlight open mic at 8 o'clock after that and sing for us. Bring in your original compositions for the theater and share it for an audience. The new venue is going to be fantastic. It's the Ha Comedy Club, 46th and 7th Street in the basement of the Equity Building, right by the TKTS booth, so it's uh, real easy for everybody to get to. All right. well we'll have more for you next week, and until then, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet.
1: Center. It sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like. Like once you're working
2: there, because Rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater.
3: People are becoming more and more comfortable with the issue of people being different.
2: I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't back away from anything.